Hi, this is episode number 22 of Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports, brought to you by Numbers Don't Lie Productions. In this episode, we had Chris Gassell, former Major League pitcher and coach and the founder of Baseball Dudes. We are huge fans of the Baseball Dudes organization and its commitment to developing baseball players with their training, resources, and content. Chris brought a ton of value in this discussion for players, coaches, and parents. Before we get into this episode, be sure to subscribe so new episodes will be sent to you automatically, and please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And remember, if you'd like to learn more about the services offered by Numbers Don't Lie and how we can help you highlight your athlete's special skills, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Now let's get into this episode. Welcome to Highlighting the Best of Youth Sports, where we bring you insights from top athletes, their sports journey, and those positively impacting the youth sports community. If you're ready like we are, let's go. Welcome, everyone. Today, we have Chris Gassell, the founder and owner of Baseball Dudes. We are huge fans of the Baseball Dudes organization and their commitment to developing baseball players with their training, resources, and content. I'm very honored today to have Chris uh, on the show. Chris, welcome to Highlighting the Best of You Sports. How are you doing, sir? Good, PJ. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here, hop on with you guys and talk about baseball. Obviously, since, since you guys are, have been following us um, for a long time, you, you understand kind of the passion behind it. So I'm always game to get ideas out there, get some good discussions going. For me, it's kind of how things are, are going in our youth sports world. We, we have to be voices for the kids. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why we've been following you and, and how we became big fans is just how passionate you are uh, with the kids um, and wanting them to, ha- to, to be set in the right direction with sports and is in, in life. And we appreciate that so much. And, and we bought in real quick to your philosophy and everything that you guys teach. And I personally bought in, um, you know, I have a, a young baseball player and probably four years ago we found you guys. And um, like I said, we bought into to the philosophy, the, the tools you guys have and, and really started using those and, and they're great. So Chris, let's start by you taking just a few moments for people that may not know about baseball dudes, just to tell us, a little bit about your background personally and the history behind Baseball Dudes. Graduated high school in 96 and was fortunate enough to get drafted that year um, out of high school and went directly into pro ball. Graduated three days later, I, I was on a plane down to Florida. I live up in Vancouver, Washington, Vancouver, Washington, so complete opposite corner of the United States. Um, started that and I, it that part of my life lasted 14 years. Um, I was very fortunate to get to play for, for as long as I did. I was made it to the big leagues a little bit with the Rockies, very, just about a month and a half, but very, very honored to, to have that opportunity. Um, we spent a couple years out playing over in Japan, which was an unbelievable experience. And, you know, kind of when you talk about culture and seeing baseball still baseball, but, but learning how, you know, learning to work with people from other parts of the country, different backgrounds, um, professional baseball is, you know, obviously we know, I don't know what the percentage is, but it's not all Americans. And, right. you know, getting just, it, it's, there's so many great people out there and, and learning how to work through those different per- personalities and learn how to work with them was, was great life learning experiences. Um, so I'll 
I'll cherish that forever. From there, let's see, 14 years there. Um, for three years after that, I was I would co- coach in the Angels organization and coach with them at the lower levels. So uh, the last two years I coached, I uh, asked to be at the level where we would get the kids right out of the draft. In professional baseball, there's kind of two rookie levels. There's a uh, rookie ball, then an advanced rookie. And the advanced rookie is more of where you get more of the college kids um, out of the draft. Uh, so that was the level I was at for two years. And it was it was a very – playing and coaching are two very different things. And being able to see where these kids were coming from was, was very eye-opening. You know, some, some kids were very prepared and, and a lot really weren't. So it was kind of – that was my first real view or, or you know, experiencing – kind of where I'm at now. You know, a lot of, a lot of the lessons I learned then led me to where I am now. Um, and what, when I, I told the Angels before that last year, if that was my last year playing or my last year coaching and, and it was time for me to go home and be with my family and be with my students. I had kind of started Baseball Dudes um, about a year before my last year coaching. So it was kind of, it was stuff that's already in the works. I've been doing instruction at home while I was a player, you know, just for something right. to do in the off season, which a lot of guys do. And it kind of morphed into, I guess, what it is today, you know, and it's, we get to work with hundreds of, of kids here locally. And then obviously because of social media, we get to, we get to help families and, and kids that we never would have without it. You almost said it sheepishly, like you, like you didn't mean it being outspoken, um, yeah. you know, and that's, that's what's needed. But I, I just think that's leadership and there, there needs to be more and stronger leadership for mm-hmm. the right way to do things and develop these really young kids to just develop the life skills. And, and I appreciate that so much. And, and again, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't be afraid to, to mention that. You're, you are outspoken, but in a good, positive way and, and through leadership. Through baseball, we know that you speak uh, of the many life lessons that the game teaches. Can you give us your top three life lessons that you've learned? Baseball is a team sport. When you, when you are a team or when you're part of a team, you have to learn how to be a team player, which in every household you know, every household has a, has a small team. So if everybody understands their role and, and learns how to do their roles well and understands preparing for those roles to do them well, you know, things, things usually run smoothly. And I, that, that's probably the top thing. Um, number two, probably, for me, these are all pretty even. Um, understanding that my success as an athlete was – was and and my success now is is 100% on me and I can't rely on anybody else to do that whether it's my coaches or my teammates or um, whoever I mean it, it's it's solely on me to make sure that I educate myself that I am open-minded and I you know if, if my start is on Wednesday that I have five four days before that it's all on me to make sure that I need to do I do what I need to do over those four days to be prepared for that fifth day. And nobody else can, can do that for me. And understanding the process of development, what that actually means, not just saying trust the process, but understanding what it actually means um, has probably been the most eye-opening thing for me. Um, understanding that, you know, a kid that is a superstar, 12, year old, 12 years old, by no means means that he's going to be a superstar when he's 18. Right. Like it, it doesn't even mean, not even close to meaning it. And vice versa, you know, if a kid can barely even throw the ball when he's 10, if 
it doesn't mean that he won't be a great player when he's older or even be a college player. So can we expound upon that a little bit? What is the definition of trust the process? What's the right way to think of that phrase, which is so popular in sports culture right now, but what do you feel that that, uh, what, what needs to be known about that? Um, the number one thing for me, the trust in the process is it's a year, years long journey. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not one season. It's not five season five seasons, you know, the, the process to go from say 10 years old to 18, that's an eight year process. Um, you know, as I got drafted as an 18 year old and didn't make the big leagues, I think until I was, gosh, don't mark my words until I was in my mid twenties. So that was a, even after high school, another seven, eight year process. Right. So like the, the process, I, I think that the most important part of it is to understand that it takes years, not, not weeks, not months, but it, it takes years. And when we, when we say trust the process, I mean, again, you're, you're correct when it is, it's an overused term and it's, all, it's almost like a, a term that's used to, to coaches use it as a, as a cover, you know, or, mm-hmm. or like a barrier, like, hey, you know, we're doing this because of this, but trust the process. You know, and, and some of the, a lot of the, the ways that we hear that term used is it's not even in proper context. You know, it's a kid sitting on the bench and playing right field every day is not the part of the process. You know? Right, exactly. Part of, the, part, of the, part of the process is getting opportunity, and that opportunity means um, multiple, multiple op- at-bats and, and plays in the field. And, I mean, to give it another kind of layer of understanding in, in pro ball when I was with the angels, the process of development for a hitter, you know, if develop development's the goal, that's trusting the process. And we would have our hitters, you know, they had to get 300 at bats a season, mm. no matter if they were a first rounder or a, or a 30th rounder, most players are going to get 300 at bats, you know, and again, how those 300 go, they might be a 300 hitter or a 200 hitter, but they're still going to get 300 at bats. That's something so, so important for, for people to hear right now and such a great point because, you know, what people usually see and what kids usually see is the major leagues. So they don't yeah. see what's going on there in the minors. And for you to kind of put light on that, that if, if everyone is playing when you're, when you're at that minor league level because they want to see that development and there truly is at the professional level a focus on development until they get to that major league level. And that's so important. And I appreciate you sharing that. It gets skewed sometimes because we, you know, people think that when we talk about development, that we, that we mean, or there's, there's, there's a sense behind it that we don't care about winning. Anytime we go out there, the goal is to win. We, I mean, it, it's sports, it's competing. The, the, the goal is to always come out on top. It's not reality though, to think that it's going to happen all the time. So going, Going out there and having a development mindset, you know, I understand that that being more development focused, there may be some some times that come up that we don't necessarily get the results we want. If we we could have played things a little bit different, right? But still, I'm teaching these kids how to win. And if I take kids out of situations because they might not be the best one in that moment, I'm doing something to that child. I'm going to say child. I'm doing something to that child's psyche that maybe really hard for him to come back from, you know, it, it does, you know, they're going to have to develop some grit. Um, but 
for them to get experience in those type of situations, they have to go through it. We tend to at the youth level, even the high school level, even sometimes at the college level, we put so much emphasis on what the scoreboard says that we forget about, you know, that we're trying to help these kids get ready for the next level, every single one of them. Chris, can you speak on the baseball dude's philosophy on accountability, responsibility, and excuses? My, my career at one point was kind of at a standstill because of my excuses, because of my lack of accountability, thinking that every loss or every hit I gave up or, or whatever, every run I allowed was someone else's fault. You know, it was, it was, for me, it was a, a constant, you know, I, I can't believe my, my shorts, I fumbled that, that should have been two outs, you know, versus, all right, it is what it is. These guys make errors just like I walk guys, you know, and, and whatever situation's in front of me, that it is what it is. I have to go at that situation. So it's important for me that when I talk about accountability, accountability issues in, in players and, and parents and coaches that, you know, I, the only reason I can speak to it with confidence is because I did everything that you guys are doing. I did it all. Right. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm pulling something out of the sky here, you know? So accountability for me is, it's one of the, the strongest parts of character, but it can also be the, the weakest part. Players will go nowhere if, if all they are is filled with excuses. Um, at some, their talent may take them to a certain point, but they won't be able to get over that last part if accountability is an issue. If, if I allow my kids to constantly make excuses or, I make excuses for them. It's a vicious cycle. And you've seen me say it, that, that our athleticism is very temporary. It only lasts for a very short while in our life. And learning, learning accountability with, while being an athlete, <clears throat> man, it will carry on for years. You provide a framework for parents and for coaches. And that way it's, it's, it's not, you, you have such a big reach then because you're, you are able to get your philosophy out to coaches and, and show parents, this is the type of program you want to look for because ultimately yeah. it's up to the parent, what program they're allowing their kids to be developed in and how they're being developed. And, and we appreciate that so much and that mindset that you guys do through your trainings and through your resource for parents and coaches as well. So when we were growing up, it was just literally. And in Little League, there's not really a choice. You, you do your little player evaluation and then you're picked for a team. Whereas now it's, um, it's very different. It's very yes. different. You know, you can choose your team year after year. Um, you, can, you can, if you find a good place, hopefully you, you choose to not go anywhere else. But, I mean, you're, you're correct that it's these parents 100% have a choice. And, but, again, all we can do is – put stuff out there and, and try to help people understand what's going on. And then it's kind of up to them. I know you speak a lot uh, in your trainings and uh, you know, your, your leadership trainings you have for your kids about failing with confidence. Can you speak to that a little bit about and what that means? So, so failing with confidence for me is we, we as coaches talk about and teach so much about how to, what do we need to do to have success? So we, we talk so much about success and I've, I've noticed, and, and even for me as a player, it just wasn't talked about a lot. We're going to fail. We all know it's a game of failure. And so when we do fail, let's, let's get a head start on this. And when, when you do fail, how, what is the best way to handle it in the moment? What's the best way to, to process it after, after that game is over? So when we are, when we are mentally preparing to, 
we're mentally, we're mentally prepared for those opportunities when, when they come at us, if it's been a part of our practice, you know, if, if it's, if it's been a part of our training and, you know, these tough subjects come up, I think that for me as a coach, if I am also educating my players on how to be more prepared to fail, then I'm going to be more prepared to as a coach for when they do fail, you know, that I will handle it a little bit better than losing my mind and being a bad example for the kids. Failing with confidence is, is going out there. And when that failure happens, I've, I'm almost like already prepared for it so that when I do fail, I have, a, I have more confidence in myself to handle it the way that I need to handle it to be able to rebound in the next 10 seconds or before the next pitch. I love how you guys speak on that a lot in your coaching and with your training that you do. Uh, we had a question from one of our followers on Instagram. Uh, what are your views on specializing on one sport at a young age? And would you recommend multiple sports? Well, 100% multiple sports. A few different reasons. One, one big reason being different sports use different muscles. Um, you need different athleticism for, dip, for, for different sports. Another reason for playing multiple sports, when, when you talk about being a baseball player, we need to step away from the game. We need time away from the game mentally, not only physically to, to let the little things heal up, especially in our throwing arm, um, but we need the things, we need to step away so that mentally I can take a break from, from the grind that, it, that, that can be a long baseball season. And, you, and use that time to focus on whether it's just going out there and being a kid and playing with my buddies and my friends or, you know, preparing for that other sport and, and playing, playing a different sport. You know, it, it's, it's a fact that, that better, it's better for athletes' bodies to not do the same thing year-round. Can you speak a little bit on social media and how it relates to a player's image and their personal brand? Well, I guess as, not just as an athlete, but as, as anybody, we need to be smart about what we're putting out there. Um, you know, we're in a generation that all it takes is, is, you know, a couple of clicks on your phone that you can, someone can screenshot something and it's there forever, even if it's gone back and deleted. What we put out there is who we are. You know, when it, when you talk about personal brand and, uh, you know, we've, we talk a lot about it. it takes a, it can take a really long time to, to create a reputation or build a reputation. And all, all it takes is, one emotionally filled comment or post that can almost tarnish that forever. People will go back years on someone's Twitter feed and find something and bring it up now. You know, there, there, there's real consequences to what you put out there. One of the things you guys put out, it said before you push that final button, ask yourself, and you had a whole list of questions. Do you want yeah. your mother, grandmother, you, you know, father, your coach, an MLB scout to see these things? And that's yeah. absolutely right. You're, it, it is an extension of who you are and it stays there forever. So I, if I could, I'm going to share my screen real quick. And okay. uh, so I want to talk to you just a little bit about um, how you've influenced us a little bit. So, okay. um, so here's, can you see my screen? I can. And that's one you, of shirts. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's one of your shirts. That's my son. So that's from two, uh, uh, 2016. And then also mm -hmm. with that is your, uh, fundal, fundamental, uh, baseball book. And yeah. I've still got it. It's right here. Awesome. This is one of the, the most awesome things I have ever found that was so simple yeah. and it's the basics of baseball, but no one teaches it. No one teaches it. And these little things also, I have your 
this is what a lot of these questions that I've been answering, they're player development books. What educational resources and tools have you created that you're most proud of? Well, that, um, that book that you just held up, the, uh, the fundamentals, you know, that, that's probably our, in our store, that's our number one product. That was, I mean, to be honest, it was one of the first things that we put out there. That's probably um, been our most successful. For me, I actually just completed so that, that life and leadership book that you just held up. Um, it's up on our website now and it's, it's in an ebook version. Okay. Um, where it is, it's a family, it's the family version of life and leadership. And it covers, I think, 20, 25, 27 different topics. The, the idea and goal of it is for families to read through the book together. Um, there's nothing that has to be written. It's all just kind of the, the hopes is that it, it stirs up conversation um, about certain type of topics like accountability, you know, like time management. Um, goal setting, you know, that these conversations come up a lot. And I know that, that most households, they come up anyways, but this was created as, as just kind of hopefully to be a tool um, as an outside source. Short chapters, really easy to read, um, direct and to the point. We're going to put a link to your website and, and, and these resources. And I just want to encourage everyone in our audience to definitely check you guys out. Well, thank you. We know that you're extremely passionate about how players train and take care of their bodies, including arm care. Uh, right now, during this pandemic, uh, what advice do you have for players, coaches, and parents to stay ready for that return to action and, and to limit their risk um, of injury once they do come back and the re these restrictions are lifted? You know, recommendations are, are, I mean, one, you have to do it. What, what concerns me most is that a lot of, a lot of coaches out there right now are, are giving their players ideas and a list of things to do. There, there is a lot of that doing, and there's even some coaches are staying connected with their kids via, you know, the whole Zoom meetings like this and stuff. I think what concerns me is that the coaches are going to rely and think, rely on and think that just because these plans were sent out and given to the players – that that means that, that we can jump into games right away. You know, that thinking that like, okay, well, they, we've done our part. The kids should be doing this. So that means they should be ready for this. When reality is, is that you're talking nine out of 10 kids, maybe eight out of 10 is not doing what they need to do. Right. And it's, I mean, even down to, you know, what is it, what type of stress does it put on our legs to sprint from home to first? You know, what type of stress does it put on our legs to sprint from home to second or home to third? You know, that's if, and if a player goes out there and hasn't been doing any sprint work for four to six weeks and then they go right into it and, and go to sprint, I mean, you could really could cause some damage, especially the older they get. Right. Um, so sprint work has to be happening. It has to, you know, and that, that's, that's the easy part. That's going out in front of your house on your road I and mean, going up to a park, um, and just running, you know, 10, 15, 20 sprints a day. Um, as far as keeping the arm in shape, there's a big difference between competitive intent or effort versus, you know, just playing catch, just keeping our arm activated. There's a big difference. And when you get out there in a game and adrenaline kicks in, I mean, and those, that, that natural energy of wanting to go out there and compete, you know, you, your effort level rises automatically and the the effort that you want to put forth again that comes naturally if we haven't been keeping our arm in shape 
for that sort of intent and effort, then we're setting our, our arm up for um, a risk of injury now or a couple years down the line be, because of all this. Um, swings are usually, to keep our body in swing shape, is usually pretty easy. Um, I mean, you can go and do that in your garage or in your backyard on a tee. The most important part is the intent part of it. You know, when you're sprinting, you sprint. When you're, when you're keeping your arm active, we have to get up to max effort, and there has to be a lot of throws done at max effort. And when we're working on our swing, there has to be a lot of swings made at a high intensity. I'm just saying we have to be smarter about being realistic about are we ready to do it in a healthy manner. Yeah, that that makes complete sense. I mean, <coughs> realistically, you know, and it comes back to that whole accountability thing that we were talking about, but realistically, are you getting to that max effort? Uh, you know, and the longer this goes on, I think that that reality becomes less and less that every single time you're, you're staying there, you know, and at some point we may start going through the motions again. Yeah. In a perfect world, they're getting that intensity up every day in their backyard or at the park. But you know, the realities are, are, are different. Chris, how about preparing mentally during this time? Is there anything that players can do to prepare mentally? Probably the biggest part of mental preparation is visualization. Kids are only going to do this if they really love the game. You know, I think that that's also important to understand. The kids, what we see come out of this, the kids that are prepared are the kids that are, are committed and love the game. The kids who come out of this and haven't done anything for four to six weeks, baseball is obviously not maybe their favorite thing to do. They, maybe they say they enjoy it, but reality is, is it's probably not, you know, they don't want to do it all the time. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that's this is going to really kind of show who loves the game and who doesn't. But to get back to your question, visualizing it is a huge part of, of mental preparation. So while these kids are sitting around, if, you know, we can, the more we can visualize, you know, those great moments that we've had in the past, um, whether it's, you know, hitting a, hitting a, a curveball down in the zone and driving it for a double in the gap, um, whether it's as a pitcher wanting to elevate a high fastball and getting it up there and the guy swinging through it, um, visualizing it is a, is a great way to mentally prepare. You know, if you want to go and, and pull up your favorite players on YouTube, you know, and, and watch those guys play, again, the more and more of those thoughts that we can get in our head of great things happening, you know, the better, better chance we have of success. Um, there's great books to read. You know, the not a lot of kids like to read, but – Sometimes if they get the right thing in front of them, they will, they will spend a little bit more time doing it. You know, Heads Up Baseball is a great book to read. Mental Toughness Baseball's Winning Edge is a great book to read. There, there are some really good books out there. Or even if it's a coach, you know, finding a few pages in a book that they, that they really want their kids to see. Taking a picture of it and texting it to all the parents. You know, there's plenty of things that we can do to prepare that doesn't mean being physical. Okay, Chris, we're uh, about to uh, turn to our final four rapid fires. Go for it. Okay, what's next for the Baseball Dudes organization? What's the one big goal for the next year? Probably the next thing is that to I, I just recently put on our website a consultation program to be able to help people in other parts of the country. Um, so that would probably be the next step would be to promote that a little bit more and see, see how, if I can help more people out there across the country on more, more of a personal level besides just social media. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received from a coach or a parent? From a coach, best piece of advice. Um, this was as an athlete, 
was how much hitters hate being pitched inside. Bob, Bob, Bob McClure was my pitching coach one year in AAA with, when I was with the Rockies, and he went in-depth about how hitters respond to it and then um, taught me how to do it. it. It changed my career. Who's your favorite athlete and why? I love Mike Trout. Um, I love Mike Trout because uh, he's not flashy. And my, my dad always taught me just, you know, nobody needs to see your emotions. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with emotion, but that was just how I was brought up. Yep. Um, don't let your opponent feel that, they, that you're too high or too low. I love that he's not flashy. I love his hustle. Um, I love that, that he smiles all the time. Um, I love that his teammates love him. I love that his fans love him. I love how he interacts with his fans. For me, we are, we are all blessed to get to watch him. This was a post we also did, which included all the baseball dude stuff, but this is our son, a picture with him. Can you see it? Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's with him, uh, Trout's rookie year. So he is also our favorite uh, um, player. We've been watching him uh, since he came up and I love everything that you just mentioned. We love everything about him as a player and as a person. And that's how I was taught to play baseball um, to coach baseball. Mm -hmm. And that's the same way I, I brought up my son. So uh, we definitely can, re can relate to you there. Okay. The awesome. last question is where can people follow you and find out more about baseball dudes? Well, we're on obviously on Facebook. Um, it's just straight, just search baseball dudes, Instagram, search baseball dudes. We're on Twitter. Um, and I'm starting to try to put more stuff on YouTube. Um, I've recently done some some Facebook Live stuff over the past few weeks. Put those on, on our YouTube. Um, you can just search Baseball Dudes on there too. Um, but that's kind of it. Those are the only social media. And then obviously BaseballDudes.com um, is where all of our – we have a lot I have a lot of blog articles on there. You can get to our retail store on there. Perfect. And we'll, we'll put everything uh, in our show notes. And Chris, I, I want to thank you again so much for joining us today. I, I really was looking forward to it and you did not disappoint. And um, we love everything you guys are doing. And if uh, I or, or numbers don't lie can ever be of any help to you guys, just let us know. Uh, but uh, again, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity for me. Again, anytime I get to do something like this, it's I look at it as being a voice for the kids. We hope you enjoyed this episode of highlighting the best of youth sports. Be sure and subscribe and please help us reach more people by leaving a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. If you or someone you know are interested in learning more about Numbers Don't Lie and what we do, what programs and services we offer for athletes, and how to get your athlete involved, be sure to visit numbersdontlie.biz. Until our next episode, go out and win the day and never miss your opportunity to be great. Thanks for listening to Highlighting the Best of You Sports.